0: chapter eight of voltaire and the french enlightenment by will durant this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. negami Et under ordinary circumstances it is probable that voltaire would never have passed out of the philosophic calm of this courteous scepticism to the arduous controversies of his later years the aristocratic circles in which he moved agreed so readily with his point of view that there was no incentive to polemics even the priests smiled with him over the difficulties of the faith and cardinals considered whether after all they might not yet make him into a good capuchin what were the events that turned him from the polite persiflage of agnosticism to a bitter anti-clericalism which admitted no compromise but waged relentless war to crush the infamy of ecclesiasticism not far from ferney lay toulouse the seventh city of france in voltaire's day the catholic clergy enjoyed absolute sovereignty there the city commemorated with frescoes the revocation of the edict of nantes an edict which had given freedom of worship to protestants and celebrated as a great feast the day of the massacre of st bartholomew no protestant in toulouse could be a lawyer or a physician or an apothecary or a grocer or a bookseller or a printer nor could a catholic keep a protestant servant or clerk in seventeen forty eight a woman had been fined three thousand francs an impressive sum in those days for using a protestant midwife now it happened that jean calas a protestant of toulouse had a daughter who became a catholic and a son who hanged himself presumably because of disappointment in business there was a law in toulouse that every suicide should be placed naked on a hurdle with face down drawn thus through the streets and then hanged on a gibbet the father to avert this asked his relatives and his friends to testify to a natural death in consequence rumour began to talk of murder and to hint that the father had killed the son to prevent his imminent conversion to catholicism Callas was arrested put to the torture and died soon after seventeen sixty one. his family ruined and hunted fled to ferney and sought the aid of voltaire he took them into his home comforted them and marvelled at the story of medieval persecution which they told about the same time 1762 came the death of elizabeth Servon. again rumour charged that she had been pushed into a well just as she was about to announce her conversion to catholicism that a timid minority of protestants would hardly dare to behave in this way was a rational consideration and therefore out of the purview of rumour in 1765 a young man by the name of la barre age sixteen was arrested on the charge of having mutilated crucifixes subjected to torture he confessed his guilt his head was cut off and his body was flung into the flames while the crowd applauded a copy of voltaire's philosophic dictionary which had been found on the lad was burned with him for almost the first time in his life, Voltaire became a thoroughly serious man. When D'Alembert, disgusted equally with state, church, and people, wrote that hereafter he would merely mock at everything, Voltaire answered, This is not a time for jesting. Wit does not harmonize with massacres. Is this the country of philosophy and pleasure? It is rather the country of the massacre of St. Bartholomew it was with voltaire now as with zola and anatole france in the case of dreyfus this tyrannous injustice lifted him up he ceased to be merely a man of letters became a man of action too he laid aside philosophy for war or rather turned his philosophy into relentless dynamite during this time not a smile escaped me without my reproaching myself for it as for a crime it was now that he adopted his famous motto "E case l'enfame and stirred the soul of france against the abuses of the church he began to pour forth such intellectual fire and brimstone as melted mitres and sceptres broke the power of the priesthood in france and helped to overthrow a throne he sent out a call to his friends and followers summoning them to battle come brave diderot intrepid d'alembert ally yourselves overwhelm the fanatics and the knaves destroy the insipid declamations the miserable sophistries the lying history the absurdities without number do not let those who have sense be subjected to those who have none and the generation which is being born will owe to us its reason and its liberty just at this crisis an effort was made to buy him off through madame de pompadour he received an offer of a cardinal's hat as the reward of reconciliation with the church as if the rule of a few tongue-tied bishops could interest a man who was the undisputed sovereign of the world of intellect voltaire refused and like another cato began to end all his letters with crush the infamy he sent out his treatise on toleration he said he would have borne with the absurdities of dogma had the clergy lived up to their sermons and had they tolerated differences but subtleties of which not a trace can be found in the gospels are the source of the bloody quarrels of christian history the man who says to me believe as i do or god will damn you will presently say believe as i do or i shall assassinate you by what right could a being created free force another to think like himself a fanaticism composed of superstition and ignorance has been the sickness of all the centuries no such perpetual peace as the Abbe de st pierre had pleaded for could ever be realized unless men learned to tolerate one another's philosophic political and religious differences the very first step toward social health was the destruction of the ecclesiastical power in which intolerance had its root the treatise on toleration was followed up with a niagara of pamphlets histories dialogues letters catechisms diatribes squibs sermons verses tales fables commentaries and essays under voltaire's own name and under a hundred pseudonyms the most astonishing pell-mell of propaganda ever put out by one man never was philosophy phrased so clearly and with such life voltaire writes so well that one does not realise that he is writing philosophy he said of himself overmodestly i express myself clearly enough i am like the little brooks which are transparent because they are not deep and so he was read soon everybody even the clergy had his pamphlets of some of them three hundred thousand copies were sold though readers were far fewer then than now nothing like it had ever been seen in the history of literature Big books, he said, are out of fashion. And so he sent forth his little soldiers, week after week, month after month, resolute and tireless, surprising the world with the fertility of his thought and the magnificent energy of his seventy years. As Helvetius put it, Voltaire had crossed the Rubicon and stood before Rome. He began with a higher criticism of the authenticity and reliability of the Bible. He takes much of his material from Spinoza, more of it from the English Deists, most of it from the Critical Dictionary of Bale, 1647-1706. to But how brilliant and fiery their material becomes in his hands! One pamphlet is called The Questions of Zapata, a candidate for the priesthood. Zapata asks innocently, how shall we proceed to show that the jews whom we burn by the hundred were for four thousand years the chosen people of god footnote. voltaire himself was something of an anti-semite chiefly because of his not quite admirable dealings with the financiers and he goes on with questions which lay bare the inconsistencies of narrative and chronology in the old testament when two counsels anathematize each other as has often happened which of them is infallible at last zapata receiving no answer took to preaching god in all simplicity he announced to men the common father the rewarder punisher and pardoner he extricated the truth from the lies and separated religion from fanaticism he taught and practised virtue he was gentle kindly and modest and he was burned at valladolid in the year of grace sixteen thirty one. under the article on prophecy in the philosophic dictionary he quotes robin isaac's bulwark of faith against the application of hebrew prophecies to jesus and then goes on ironically thus these blind interpreters of their own religion and their own language combated with the church and obstinately maintained that this prophecy cannot in any manner regard jesus christ those were dangerous days in which one was compelled to say what one meant without saying it and the shortest line to one's purpose was anything but straight voltaire likes to trace christian dogmas and rites to greece egypt and india and thinks that these adaptations were not the least cause of the success of christianity in the ancient world under the article on religion he asks slyly after our own holy religion which doubtless is the only good one what religion would be the least objectionable and he proceeds to describe a faith and worship directly opposed to the catholicism of his day christianity must be divine he says in one of his most unmeasured sallies since it has lasted seventeen hundred years despite the fact that it is so full of villainy and nonsense he shows how almost all ancient peoples had similar myths and hastily concludes that the myths were thereby proved to have been the inventions of priests the first divine was the first rogue who met the first fool however it is not religion itself which he attributes to the priests but theology it is slight differences in theology that have caused so many bitter disputes and religious wars it is not the ordinary people who have raised these ridiculous and fatal quarrels the sources of so many horrors men fed by your labours in a comfortable idleness enriched by your sweat and your misery struggled for partisans and slaves they inspired you with a destructive fanaticism that they might be your masters they made you superstitious not that you might fear god but that you might fear them let it not be supposed from all this that voltaire was quite without religion he decisively rejects atheism so much so that some of the encyclopedists turned against him saying voltaire is a bigot he believes in god in the ignorant philosopher he reasons towards spinozist pantheism but then recoils from it as almost atheism he writes to diderot i confess that i am not at all of the opinion of saunderson who denies a god because he was born sightless i am perhaps mistaken but in his place i should recognise a great intelligence who had given me so many substitutes for sight and perceiving on reflection the wonderful relations between all things, I should have suspected a workman infinitely able. If it is very presumptuous to divine what he is and why he has made everything that exists, so it seems to me very presumptuous to deny that he exists. I am exceedingly anxious to meet and talk with you, whether you think yourself one of his works or a particle drawn of necessity from eternal and necessary matter whatever you are you are a worthy part of that great whole which i do not understand to Olbach, he points out that the very title of his book the system of nature indicates a divine organizing intelligence on the other hand he stoutly denies miracles and the supernatural efficacy of prayer i was at the gate of the convent when sister festu said to sister confite providence takes a visible care of me you know how i love my sparrow he would have been dead if i had not said nine ave marias to obtain his cure a metaphysician said to her sister there is nothing so good as ave maria's especially when a girl pronounces them in latin in the suburbs of paris But I cannot believe that God has occupied himself so much with your sparrow, pretty as it is. I pray you to believe that he has other things to attend to. Sister Fessieu, Sir, this discourse savors of heresy. My confessor will infer that you do not believe in providence. Metaphysician, I believe in a general providence, dear sister, which has laid down from all eternity the law which governs all things, like light from the sun but i believe not that a particular providence changes the economy of the world for your sparrow his sacred majesty chance decides everything true prayer lies not in asking for a violation of natural law but in the acceptance of natural law as the unchangeable will of god similarly he denies free will as to the soul he is an agnostic four thousand volumes of metaphysics will not teach us what the soul is being an old man he would like to believe in immortality but he finds it difficult nobody thinks of giving an immortal soul to the flea why then to an elephant or a monkey or my valet a child dies in its mother's womb just at the moment when it has received a soul will it rise again fetus or boy or man to rise again to be the same person that you were you must have your memory perfectly fresh and present for it is memory that makes your identity if your memory be lost how will you be the same man why do mankind flatter themselves that they alone are gifted with a spiritual and immortal principle perhaps from their inordinate vanity i am persuaded that if a peacock could speak he would boast of his soul and would affirm that it inhabited his magnificent tale and in this earlier mood he rejects also the view that belief in immortality is necessary for morality the ancient hebrews were without it just when they were the chosen people and spinoza was a paragon of morality in later days he changed his mind he came to feel that belief in god has little moral value unless accompanied by belief in an immortality of punishment and reward perhaps for the common people la canaille a rewarding and avenging god is necessary bela had asked if a society of atheists could subsist voltaire answers yes if they were also philosophers but men are seldom philosophers if there is a hamlet to be good it must have a religion I want my lawyer, my tailor, and my wife to believe in God, says A in ABC. So I imagine I shall be less robbed and less deceived. If God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. I begin to put more store on happiness and life than on truth, a remarkable anticipation in the midst of the Enlightenment of the very doctrine with which Immanuel Kant was later to combat the Enlightenment he defends himself gently against his friends the atheists he addresses olbach in the article on god in the dictionary you yourself say that belief in god has kept some men from crime this alone suffices me when this belief prevents even ten assassinations ten calumnies, i hold that all the world should embrace it religion you say has produced countless misfortunes say rather the superstition which reigns on our unhappy globe this is the cruellest enemy of the pure worship due to the supreme being let us detest this monster which has always torn the bosom of its mother those who combat it are the benefactors of the human race it is a serpent which chokes religion in its embrace we must crush its head without wounding the mother whom it devours this distinction between superstition and religion is fundamental with him he accepts gladly the theology of the sermon on the mount and acclaims jesus in tributes which could hardly be matched even with the pages of saintly ecstasy he pictures christ among the sages weeping over the crimes that have been committed in his name his profession of faith in god seems to have been sincere we see a reference to himself when he makes an athenian say of socrates yes that is the sage who has no religion that is the atheist who says there is only one god at last he built his own church with the dedication deo erexit voltaire the only church in europe he said that was erected to god he addresses to god a magnificent prayer and in the article theist he expounds his faith finally and clearly the theist is a man firmly persuaded of the existence of a supreme being as good as he is powerful who has formed all things who punishes without cruelty all crimes and recompenses with goodness all virtuous actions reunited in this principle with the rest of the universe he does not join any of the sects which all contradict one another his religion is the most ancient and the most widespread for the simple worship of a god preceded all the systems of the world he speaks a language which all peoples understand while they do not understand one another he has brothers from pekin to cayenne and he counts all sages for his fellows he believes that religion consists neither in the opinions of an unintelligible metaphysic nor in vain shows but in worship and in justice. To do good is his worship, to submit to God is his creed. The Mohammedan cries out to him, Beware if you fail to make the pilgrimage to Mecca. The priest says to him, Curses on you if you do not make the trip to Notre-Dame de Lorette. He laughs at Lorette and at Mecca, but he succors the indigent and defends the oppressed. End of chapter 8.